right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of the FearCast. This is the podcast dedicated to OCD, anxiety, anxiety spectrum disorders, and treatment in getting your life back. Uh, I'm, uh, my name is Kevin Foss. I'm your host, and um, I'm a licensed clinician specializing in anxiety and OCD treatment. So for those of you who are new, the FearCast is a show uh, that's question and answer based. So if you have a question about OCD, about anxiety disorders, um, about treatment, about family members, with it, any of those sort of things, you can go over to fearcastpodcast.com and you can ask me a question there. Go over to the uh, ask a question link and uh, send me a question. I'll read it. I'll consider it. I'll likely put it up in a future episode. And that is what this episode is going to be about as well. So this episode, I'm going to try to keep episodes a little bit shorter. I think they've been getting a little bonkers long lately. So I'm going to try to shorten them up just a little bit, which means I'm only going to do two questions on this episode, but we'll see if, um, I don't know, well, in, in theme of this episode, if the spirit moves, I will um, I will do more, but in in a subsequent episode. But for today, we're, we're going to keep it kind of short. So I'm late on my deadline, everybody. I try to do every other week, and um, I, I'm late because... Things are getting crazy around the Foss house. Just stuff. I've got a baby. I've got a bigger baby. I've got a wife. I've got a dog that's also kind of a baby about things. Anyways, things are just getting weird, but I am lucky and blessed and happy to um, have this ridiculous, crazy life. So, uh, first off, everybody, thank you all for joining me for this episode. Um, it feels weird. This is not an interview episode, and uh, I feel like I haven't done one of these in a while of just answering y'all's questions. I like this. I was reading through questions going, oh yeah, this is kind of fun. I like this. So, um, I hope everybody has enjoyed previous episodes, especially the interview episodes. I had uh, I got some pretty good feedback for the uh, Stuart Ralph episode uh, that just came out prior to this one, and um, uh, I he, again, he was delightful, and the effort to try to get that episode up was an ever-loving nightmare, because again, as you all know, I hate the internet and the internet hates me, which is ridiculous because a podcast is inherently internet-based. However, we have a hate-hate relationship, and it was fighting me, and I was fighting back, and eventually, I think I won, because it is out there. It, you have heard it. Some people have heard it, but it's out there. Hopefully, this one will get out there, too, but we'll see. So, I'm going to do this episode and the next episode, maybe the one after that, as kind of a bit of a themed episode. For whatever reason, um, when I was getting these questions in, they started to be in a general theme. I started to see some some commonalities with them, uh, all kind of packed in. So there's going to be a little bit of a theme. So, so for today's episode, I'm going to be talking uh, uh, more about kind of scrupulosity, faith-based things. And I'm going to say, everybody, it's going to be more Christian-based. And the reason for it is, well, the majority of my scroop episodes have been Christian-based. So, if you have questions that are are Christian scrupulosity-based, I'd love to hear them. If you have if you have questions that are scrup meaning scrupulosity, religious scrupulosity, that is OCD about one's faith. Anyways, um, if you have questions that that is scrupulosity, but from a different religious tradition, I also want to know. And you know what? If I am not the expert, or if I am, uh, am unfamiliar with it, I will go wrangle a professional, and I will bring them in, and we will answer the questions together. So, if you have questions, do not think that this is a Christian-only podcast, because it ain't. It is for everybody everyone. So, um, all right, everybody, without further ado, I'm just going to get to those questions. So, here is the first one. 
right, so this first question comes from Tara. Tara says, Hello, I very much enjoyed listening to your podcasts. They've always been helpful and insightful. I went back to listen to episode 31, Is God a Tyrant? as I struggle with religious OCD. The core fear to all my religious obsessions is eternal separation from Christ. Lately, my OCD has been hooked on blasphemy of the Holy Spirit, and my brain replays something I said or memory over and over, telling me I blasphemed the Holy Spirit and am eternally doomed. Logically, I know that I didn't, because if I did, I would not have a desire to know God or to have any belief in Jesus as my Savior. I've done lots of research, Googling, reading, and reassurance-seeking. None give me the one answer I'm looking for. I just cannot shake this memory and this feeling of doom. And none give me the answer I'm looking for. I just cannot shake this memory and this feeling of doom and feeling of eternal damnation. How do I move forward pursuing a walk with Christ, not avoiding reading my Bible, etc., yet treat the OCD? All right, so first of all, for anybody who's trying to gather more information about what in the heck Tara was talking about, you can go back and listen to episode 31. Again, this is way back in the day, um, but go back and listen to that episode if you're trying to figure out what it is that she was talking about. But if you, also, I should say, um, for those of you who ha- are, are unfamiliar with some of the language that she's using, I'll try to explain it as best I possibly can. But what Tara's talking about is in relation to religious scrupulosity, which is just the religious, in, religious or, and or moral manifestation of a Obsessive compulsive disorder. So again, very very briefly, we'll just talk about what OCD is um, and then how it differs into its different manifestations. So, OCD, obsessive compulsive disorder, that's all there is. It isn't all these other little subtypes that we are going to talk about, and I'm going to talk about and try to split hairs and all that stuff. But anyways, so with OCD, it starts with the obsession. The obsession is going to be the thought. It's going to be the worry. It usually has a what if or if then sort of question to it. What if I do this? What if this happens to me? What if I become this? If I do this, then this might happen. If I don't do this, that might happen. And that's this is where I also call it that feared story. It's that silly story that your brain is telling you about the world around you, because everything that we're ever going to do is neutral. It's neither good nor bad, right nor wrong. It's just, it, it is, but based on our worldview, our beliefs, our, our, our experiences, we will color those sort of things with some sort of meaning. We ascribe meaning to those things as good or bad, right or wrong, safe or dangerous, but it doesn't necessarily mean that those things are that. Anyway, so our brain tells us this feared story. We don't like that story. Because of the outcome. So that outcome is going to make us feel uncomfortable. It's going to make us anxious or something to that effect. So to try to make sure that that story never happens or to try to make sure that we feel better, we try to do a compulsion to try to make our, to, to again, make ourselves feel better. You get the idea. Once we do that thing, we feel better or we feel relief or we feel a, a regained sense of confidence and, and certainty. The problem is it's very short-lived, and inevitably, it strengthens the obsession itself. It makes that thought that you had that was random and unnecessary and ridiculous, it makes that stronger. So now whenever that random thought pops up again, your brain goes, I know what I have to do. I have to do that thing I just did to make myself feel better or give myself certainty again or to give myself confidence again. So we do that thing and we're back at the races. So that is how that goes. So with religious OCD, it's going to be obsessions related to someone's faith. So notice with Tara's question, what if I blasphemed against the Holy Spirit? 
And if I did that, therefore, I am eternally damned. And she's going, oh, no, I don't want that. So she's going to try to do something to make sure that she is not that. And as she cited, she says she does lots of research, Googling, reading, reassurance seeking. And I'm willing to bet that for a short period of time, those things helped, at least kind of a little bit. But the next thing that she says, none give me the one answer I'm looking for. And you know what, Tara? They won't. They won't. And that's because your anxiety is trying to look for certainty. Your anxiety wants certainty. And we are always able to ask another what if or yeah, but sort of question that's going to undermine or ask another caveat or something else to try to get more information or to try to need more information to get full certainty. And we just can't, especially when it comes to faith matters, because it is... Is supernatural. It is outside of the things that we can have 100% certainty about. So that is going to be the problem that we fall into. So to Tara's question, she asked, how do I move forward pursuing a walk with Christ yet treat OCD? So in short, what you're going to want to do is develop a forward-moving faith. So what is a forward-moving faith? Forward-moving faith is continuing to take steps towards the life that you value, the life that you desire, the characteristics that you would like to have, that which you find meaningful. Continue to go and do those things as best you can and resist getting sidetracked by the obsessive thoughts Obviously easier said than done. If you could have done it, you wouldn't have emailed me, right? Of course. These these take practice. This is a tough thing to do. And this is something that we are all trying to figure out together on how to most effectively do that. Now, I'll say this, in a forward-moving faith, it does not mean that you don't stumble or fall or trip or get sidetracked, but that we generally are moving in the direction that we desire or that we believe is most true to ourselves. Now, one of the first things to do is to recognize what compulsions you're doing. Now, you did cite a bunch of those things, as I just mentioned, your research and Googling, reading, reassurance, seeking, all those things. So first, do the best that you can to resist doing those things, not getting sidetracked by those things or stopping ourselves from moving forward. Instead, we're kind of saying, time out, self, time out, forward progression. I'm going to stay here, figure this thing out, and inevitably, as you and I know, Tara, that you're just going to get more frustrated, anxious, confused, and stuck in a rut, right? So we're going to resist doing those things as best you possibly can. Now, the next thing to do is to decide what direction you want to move in. So think about all the things that you struggle with and take note of the avoidances and other things that that you do or have stopped doing that make you feel anxious. And you're going to intentionally go and do those things. Now, this is where exposure and response prevention can come in. But remember, In terms of a forward-moving life, this doesn't necessarily mean you have to do exposures in order to make progress with OCD. Now, this might freak a lot of people out, but in terms of doing active ERP, exposure and response prevention, this is the behavioral technique that we that we talk about in in OCD treatment, where you are you are progressively getting closer and closer towards the fears that you have while resisting the compulsions or the responses that are done to try to get yourself certainty, right? But here's the thing, in a forward-moving life, 
you're going to encounter exposures. Life will give you exposures. If you are a, if your anxiety is attacking your Christian faith, likely speaking, if your desire is to do the stuff that the average Christian would do, I anticipate you're probably going to be reading the Bible, praying, uh, listening to churchy time music, going to church itself. All of that is probably going to give you anxiety, and that is a natural exposure that life just gave you. So, the goal is go and do those things and resist doing compulsions. Now, you don't, it's, it's not necessary to have to say or do the things that you are terrified. You don't have to dig into it, like, like agreeing with the thought or saying, yes, in fact, I am a sinner and I'm going to hell, or whatever it is. I have, in fact, blasphemed against the Holy Spirit. You are not required to furthermore blaspheme against the Holy Spirit in order to make progress in this. Instead, the, the most important thing that you can do, Tara, and anybody else who's listening, is to resist those compulsions that you're doing. And that is going to be resisting avoidance of prayer, going to church, etc. Resist excessive Googling and reading and research that is giving you, that's trying to give you that certainty that everything's going to be okay. And to accept that all of that is going to make you feel really uncomfortable. And that anxiety is okay. That anxiety is fine. One of the things that we discover through doing exposures is that that anxiety is tolerable and that we can live our life with anxiety and uncertainty. This is going to sound bonkers to the anxious mind because our anxious mind says, no, 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 I want certainty that I know that it's all going to be okay. So what we're trying to do is to say, no, 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 I can do this and I don't need 100% certainty. I just need to develop as best a confidence I can that for the most part, things work out. For the most part, I can handle my life as it comes along. So Tara, an example of, of a forward-moving life, um, I think can really be pulled from the bus example from acceptance and commitment therapy. Now, if you've listened to the podcast before, you have, it sounds like, um, you might have heard me talk about this, but I'll just, I'll just kind of outline this really quick, because um, I, th- I think it really encapsulates a lot of what we're talking about here as moving forward and not getting bogged down by compulsions. Now, this is not this is not necessarily the discussion of how to do exposure ex, active exposures um, or in vivo exposures. That would be for another conversation. I think I might talk about that here shortly. Um, but what I'm talking about here is just how to move forward in a naturalistic way while reducing compulsive behavior. So the bus example goes like this. So. So first off, if you think about a bus, if you've ever been on a bus before, and I hope everybody has at some point, the bus has on the front of it a, a destination of where it's going. It's going to Canoga Park. It's going to downtown LA. It's going to San Francisco. I don't know where it's going, but it says where it's going on the front, right? Now, I don't know where it is in the course of its route, but we know where it's going. It's going to the thing that's on the front of the bus. So as we all know, A bus is not like an Uber or a taxi, where you get in the Uber and you say, hey, take me here, and it just takes you there, right? It's a a bus, for the most part, or a lot of times, takes a really meandering route. It sometimes doesn't go straight there. Um, It it kind of goes by a whole bunch of other stops. It's not going to, it's not going to get you there immediately. It, it, It stops at places that you didn't really sign up for. 
but we do know that it will eventually get to where it is on the front of the bus. Now, furthermore, with a bus, remember that there are passengers that get on and then eventually passengers will get off, right? The passengers aren't there forever. Sometimes there are going to be those regulars who get on at consistent places and get off at other consistent places, right? They get on at where their home is and they get off at where their work is and then vice versa if they're coming home. There are going to be kind of passengers who get on at weird spots and they get off at weird spots, right? They may be people from out of town. It may be people who are going to a very specific place and they're not from that part of the city. So they're going to be kind of inconsistent. There are some people who are on there for a long ride and some people who are on there very, very short, like one stop, maybe two, right? Now, furthermore, a bus cannot control who gets on. It's it, it's a bus that takes on who's ever at that stop. They get on, they are who they are, and they eventually get off. Now, sometimes those people are going to get on in consistent groups and sometimes they're going to be individuals, but we don't really know, right? But again, we can always remember that they will get off that bus. Now, now, Tara, I want you to imagine that on this bus, you are the bus driver. You are the one who gets to decide where you're going. And most importantly, you decide how you're going to get there. You have the wheel. Now, think about your bus. You decide where you're putting on, or what you're putting on the front of that bus. It may be living as a Christian. That is on the front of your bus. Now, we change what's on the front of our bus depending on the time of day, depending on the, the week, depending on the, the goals that we currently have. But it's basically the, the, the task at hand, right? And we can be driving multiple buses or multiple different routes at once. This metaphor can get as complicated as we, as we really want it to be. Point is, you've got the thing at the front of your bus and you've got the steering wheel. Now, as you go towards your destination... You're taking on passengers, and passengers are leaving. Now, they get some passengers are going to get on, and they can't cross that little, that little yellow line that's there. They are never going to hurt you. They're never going to touch you. They are never going to grab the wheel and direct where you're going to go. You always have the power to decide where your bus is going to go. But you also have the power to stand up and stop. You also can get up and get distracted. And you can also sit down and keep driving. So, think about this. Sometimes your passengers are going to get on and they're going to be delightful. Now, think, furthermore, think about these passengers as your thoughts, your feelings, your mental images, your physical sensations, your urges, your memories even. So, sometimes you get random thoughts that come on, and they're delightful. They remind you of fun, wonderful things that happened years ago. They remind you of that cute guy, or that, that cute girl, or the whoever out there, right? And they come on, and you have a wonderful conversation, and then they eventually get off, and you say, that was a wonderful interaction. And sometimes, you're going to get punks who are going to get on the bus, and they're going to be jerks. I'll just say jerks. Now, these passengers, remember, they're never going to hurt you, but they are going to be loud. Some of them are going to be loud and obnoxious and frustrating and threatening even. And they're going to say, hey, instead of going to where it is on the front of the bus, I want you to go here. And it's in fact, if you don't go here, something bad's going to happen. If you don't go here, something catastrophic even is going to happen. Or I'm going to make something happen. Or something is going to happen to all of us. It makes these threats and 
gosh, are they scary. Gosh, are they real. They feel like they, they may know something that, that you don't, or they may have a premonition, or they may have the inside track on something that if we don't listen to them, bad stuff's going to happen. And we sit there and go, maybe this is going to happen. And sometimes we say, you know what? I'm just going to fight them. But here's the thing. Sometimes what we do is we stop our bus and we get up from our seat and we go back there and we start fighting with this punk who's yelling at us and telling us to stop doing stuff. And we throw him off the bus and we go, great, I did it. And we get that back to our seat and we start driving again. And lo and behold, at that next our, our next stop, there's that same punk who got on before and gave us such a hassle. And now he's pissed. And now they're more mad than they were before. So they get back on and they hassle you even louder because of that of the hassle that you gave them just a moment ago. So now you stop the bus again and you get up and you fight with them. And now you're fighting with their friend that also got on. And that friend might be discomfort. It might be a secondary thought. It might be the it might be a physical urge to do something. And now you have to fight both of them. And now if you're lucky enough, you fight them and you push them off the bus and you get some peace and quiet again. You get back and you drive and there they are. Sound familiar, right? This is that compulsive cycle. When we stop driving our bus and stop going to where it is that we intend to go, We put our life on hold, at least for that moment. We put our task on hold, at least for that moment. And we fight and we fight and we put out all this energy and sometimes it goes nowhere. We get a temporary sense of relief, sure. But remember when we just keep getting back to our life, that thought's going to be there again. And they may be more pissed. So what do we do? We stop fighting with them. We ignore them. Now. We can't just like close our ears and close our eyes and expect that they're going to go away. They're going to be there, and they're going to be loud, and they're going to be obnoxious. And we can say, instead of getting up and fighting with them, we can say, hey, everybody, say whatever you're going to say, but I'm going to keep driving. And they're going to get right up in your ear, and they're going to say, Tara, did you know you committed blasphemy against the Holy Spirit, and you're eternally doomed? You better make sure that you're not, you better double check that thing that you said or that thing that you thought, and you better make sure that it wasn't the thing that you think it was, and you're going to go, maybe you're right. And you're going to sit there and go, do I love God? Do I love Jesus? Am I following Jesus? Am I doing the right things? Am I doing the right things? I think I am. I did that thing. I talked to my pastor. They said I'm doing the right thing, but what if I'm not doing the right thing? And all of this time, you stopped your bus because you've listened to them. But instead, we're going to do this. We're going to rely on that which you already know, and we're going to trust what all those other people have said, and we're going to keep driving. We're going to trust that that dude is wrong. We're going to trust that that thought is inaccurate, because he's been lying to you this whole time, and he keeps telling you the same thing. No matter the thoughts, the effort, the compulsion, the rumination that you have done to try to make sure that it's false, he keeps saying it. And every time you come back with the same information, and he keeps going, well, but what if you did, man? So what we're going to do is we're going to ignore him, and we're going to keep driving. And when you keep driving, they'll get louder, and they'll get more obnoxious. But you know what? They will eventually, if you don't fight back, they will get bored with you, and they'll get off the bus, and you'll have some peace and quiet. Now, it doesn't matter that, or it doesn't mean that they're going to be off forever. It just means that they will get off the bus. 
and that we can keep going towards the thing. No matter what they had said, we kept making progress towards the goal. Tara, you made progress towards whatever's on the front of your bus. Now, you can expand this metaphor out as much as you want. An exercise that you can further do with this is to imagine what those passengers sound like. What do they look like? What are the things that they say? Get used to them. We want to get used to our passengers and tolerate that you get some passengers in there who are just delightful and lovely, and those are the people, the thoughts, the sensations, whatever. You can have fun with, you can think about, you can have conversations with, to go back to the metaphor. And the punks that are, that are there, you can say, you know what, to, to the back with you, okay? We're, I'm going to chat with this thought, or I'm just going to keep going towards my goals. And eventually, they're going to get quieter, and they're going to get off the bus. If we can, if you, Tara, we, I'll say we for all of our thoughts, if, if, but you, Tara, if you can do this process and to tolerate that for a time, you are going to have some punk that's going to get up in your brain and is going to tell you that you've done awful things and that you are doomed for awfulness. And leave that thought be without trying to fight it, get rid of it, do anything about it, and trust that it will eventually pass. It will. I, I promise very few things, but I promise that, that that thought will go away. It may come back. It will come back. But it will also always go away. And we need to trust that process and trust that which you do know and trust uh, what your faith says. Trust what your pastors and your priests and your Bible and your your. Bible study leader and what they have told you in the past and I know you've asked them I know you have read and we trust that we took all that information and sometimes you get little bits of information from those people that are different and vary and you know some of it's consistent and some of it's kind of left field but we're not trying to take everything precisely we're trying to take the accumulation of all that information and say what is the general theme here does it seem like i have i'm the sort of person that have blasphemed against the holy spirit and we can say you know probably not so we're going to trust that i probably haven't and trust that god knows who you are and god knows what you've done god knows what you haven't done if you have a relational view of God and you believe that God knows you and God knows everything about you and your future and all that stuff that we talk about, right? If you trust that and you believe that that's to be true, then give the responsibility of that to God. Say, God, you know what's going on, you know who I am, and I'm just going to keep driving my bus as best I can. And it's going to feel like you're driving your bus and there's a bomb attached to the back of it, or you're driving your bus and the whole damn thing's on fire. It's going to feel like that sometimes, but it's not. It's a false alarm. It's your brain being silly. It's your anxiety going haywire. You keep moving forward. Acknowledge that thought. Move, move past it. So you furthermore said, like, how do I pursue my walk with Christ? And you said, not, you gave, for example, not reading my Bible. Go read your Bible. On the front of your bus now you have, read my Bible. That's your goal. And inevitably, here comes this passenger. But you know that passenger. You know their name. They know what they look like. You know how they talk. You know the, the haircut they have. Welcome them onto the bus because you know they're going to go away. But you are going to continue to go towards your goal of, in this moment, reading the Bible. In another moment, it is listening to, I don't know, some ridiculous Christian song that all sounds the same. Or you're going to go to some sermon that's going to have three points and it's going to have some weird example and the pastor is going to say my smoking hot wife which is super weird um so stuff like that's going to happen and you know it but you're going to keep doing the thing that you want to do tara 
So I hope that was helpful. I know I meandered a little bit, but um, I eventually got to my goal, which is my bus said, answer Tara's question. Hopefully, I got to my destination as best I possibly could. So thank you so much for this question. And if you have any questions or further questions or follow up to it, go over to FearCast Podcast and let me know. I'd love to hear about it. So Tara, best of luck. So this next question comes from Michaela. Now, I will say uh, there is a little bit of a trigger warning in here is that this question talks about self-harm and suicide. So if this is something that will be triggering to you, I'll encourage you to skip by this one or listen at your own discretion. So Michaela says, hi, I'm in a couple Christian OCD groups on Facebook where I found this podcast. I was raised in a very Christian environment and, and was diagnosed with OCD at age 11 when I heard a story of a young teenager committing suicide. My brain grabbed that and was overwhelmed with fear that I would commit suicide. And she says, parenthetically, I obviously didn't want to. She goes on to say, later on, my brain decided to obsess over my Christian faith, constantly asking, did you repent enough? Do you really know Jesus? I've gone through this on and off throughout my life. After going through several months of counseling, including EMDR, for other issues of anxiety, I'm experiencing several flare-ups of OCD. But this time, it's a more overwhelming feeling that I don't really want to follow Jesus, that I don't want Him as my Lord and Savior, that I don't want a moral guide, but just a, quote, get out of hell card. I get so scared that my motives aren't right, that I haven't really committed to Christ like I should. It's hard for me to distinguish between whether this is OCD or just a general crisis of faith that people go through. I'm a fairly academic person, so it's hard to know what's really my thoughts, feelings, and will, and what's my OCD. I know you can't really, quote, diagnose me on a podcast, and maybe this is just a reassurance compulsion. So I guess my question is, can OCD give me, quote, intrusive feelings like an aversion to following Jesus? How would you recommend dealing with this when it's a pure O situation? I don't really have compulsions other than thinking, praying, journaling through the feelings. All right, Michaela. Oh boy! Thank you so much for this question. This is a, this is a really good one. So first, everybody. So um, if you're unfamiliar, pure O is a misnomer. So pure O, is, you'll often read this about. Uh, you, you will eventually, if you go down and hang out in OCD land for long enough, you'll ter- hear the term pure O. Pure O stands for pure obsessional, which usually. It is it is the belief that um, the obsession or that the OCD is just O, it is just the obsessional component to it, um, meaning that it's just the thought, it's just an obsession. There aren't things that um, they do, but it's it's a myth. It's a it's a misnomer um, because there are compulsions to it. If there are, if there is no compulsion, there is no OCD. Otherwise, it's just a bunch of thoughts, and we have thoughts all day. We don't really care about our thoughts. Right? We get dumb thoughts all day. Most of the thoughts that you and I have, Michaela and everybody else who's listening, are useless. Most of the thoughts I get are useless, at least. I'm willing to bet yours are too. But the compulsion comes in, and now we've got something. And now it's OCD. Pure O is, is the misnomer because the compulsions exist. They are just covert, meaning they are inside of us. They are thought-based. So, as evidenced by Michaela, you also said... I don't really have compulsions other than 
thinking, praying, journaling through the feelings. Guess what? Those are compulsions. You can think and think and think and think. We call this ruminating. And you can pray and pray and pray. And that is mental ruminate, or that is, is, that is compulsive prayer. We can pray over and over and over again in a ritualistic and unnecessary manner. If praying is done to get certainty and to alleviate that anxiety, and not in a way that we say in, in, in religious town, like, you know, praying helps my anxiety, but like a, I have to pray right now or else my fear will happen or else I'm, I'm going to discover something true about myself. There is an urgency to this prayer, an urgency to this thinking, and an urgency to your journaling that feels like it has to be done. And furthermore, this is also one of the sticky points to OCD, and especially scrupulosity, I'll say, because thinking about one's religious life, praying about one's religious life or, or, and relationship with God, and journaling are all very common and very praised pardon the pun, praised things in the Christian and faith-based life. So when someone is doing this a lot and spending a lot of time thinking about these things, their pastors and priests and friends and Bible study leaders, they all go, oh my gosh, Michaela, you're doing so great. I'm so proud of you for being on fire for God or whatever phrase they used. But the, you will, people will often get this, this, this encouragement and it feels like then what they're doing is a religiously appropriate activity. However, for the most part, the things that we're doing are not then, especially in the world of scrupulosity. The things that we're doing, ultimately speaking, fail to be helpful because they continually return us back to that sense of anxiety and uncertainty and fear. So I'm not saying stop these things entirely, but I'm saying we, we need to try to eventually move towards these activities and behaviors and rituals in a reasonable and, and functional fashion, right? Um, I'm not the sort of person, by the way, as a clinician, when I'm working with someone of faith, that, I, that my, my, I, I don't view faith as the problem. OCD is the problem that has latched itself onto faith. That's like saying washing your hands is bad. That's like saying being in a relationship is bad. It, those things aren't bad. It's to say OCD is bad and is ruining those things for us, right? I, yes, I know I'm using very judgy language in terms of OCD, but I, I'm sure so are you guys. Anyways, and gals. Anyways, you get the idea. So, with our praying. All right. Praying is not the problem. It is how much you're praying and in, and in what urgency are you praying, that will be the stuff to be considering, and those will be the things you will have to pull back on and slowly reduce. A great place to start with religious scrupulosity and OCD in general is to look at the compulsions that you're doing and to see if you can slowly start to reduce those. Now, you might need to work with a therapist to help identify what of those things you're doing are compulsive. And you know what? In all honesty, you can also talk to friends, friends that you trust, that, that you think are um, reasonable, rational people, and just say, hey, I pray like an hour a day. How much do you pray? And they'll be like, 10 minutes, tops, like five. Or they say, I don't. I pray on Sunday or something like that. But you can kind of gauge that some stuff we're doing is likely excessive. And Michaela, I'm willing to bet that you think that what you're doing is excessive because you know what? You emailed me. 
So you didn't email your pastor, you emailed me, the OCD guy. Anyways, I think you're on to something, Michaela. All right. So Michaela, at the heart of what you wrote here, I'm hearing a lot of all or nothing, black and white thinking, and a lot of just right or perfectionism in relation to your faith. And this is understandable. OCD is also known as the doubting disease. OCD is always going to ask questions of, are we doing it right? Are we doing it enough? Should we do more? Are we doing too much? In other words, that whatever we're doing is never right or good enough. There's always something more or always something less that we should, quote, should be doing. Now, the problem is, rationally speaking, there is always something more that you and I can do. If we pray for five hours a day, our brain will say, but you could do six. If we read the Bible for, for, for eight hours a day, it'll say, but what about that ninth hour? If you read all day but said, you know what, I, I, I can't read while I'm eating or I can't read while I'm taking a shower, your brain might say, but you could put a book on tape. It will always say there's something else that you can do. There is this line that we will have to identify, and we'd all decide what that line is for us. And we decide based on, uh, is it impacting our life? At what point do we want to say this is too much? And we need to decide where we're going to call it quits and accept that there is this line and there is this, there's this, there's this thought that says you need to do more. At some point, we say, this is good enough, and this is, what's going to, this is what's going to be enough for me and my faith. And then everything beyond that decision, that's where we're going to have to accept the anxiety, that discomfort that comes with, yeah, but, that comes with, but you could do more. To your question, can OCD give me intrusive thoughts like an aversion to following Jesus? Yes. Yes, OCD can give you those intrusive feelings that you have an aversion to following Jesus. From everything you told me, Michaela, and this is, this is going to be a little reassurance, I'm, I'm sure, but, but you know, ultimately I can't speak for God. And even if I said you're 100% saved, your brain will eventually just go, yeah, but what about God? Kevin's not God, and I'm not. But well, from everything that you've t- said, it sounds like you're, you, you are really concerned about your faith. You're really concerned about your relationship with God and how you're doing with God and the types of things that you're doing, the types of things that you're not doing. Gosh, you know what? For someone who's really concerned about all those things, I don't really label that as someone who has an aversion to following Jesus. Now, that being said, again, God knows you, not me. So the first thing that you really are going to have to do is to accept the presence of these feelings. Accept and acknowledge that you've got these thoughts, these feelings, these mental images, these sensations, and these urges, and these doubts and they suck, and they're there, right? But to also acknowledge that, just like I talked about uh, before with Tara, that these are thoughts that are going to be temporary, and these are thoughts that are going to be fleeting, and they will eventually, they will eventually pass. Now, 
what I suspect a, a, a good number of compulsions that you're having is trying to discern between whether or not this is genuine OCD or whether this is a, quote, general crisis of faith that people go through. And I, I bet you you go online and you read and compare. You read about other people's, you know, struggles with faith or crises of faith and see if your story fits into theirs. And then you go over to the Christian OCD group on Facebook and you ask, and you read their story and you go, ah, maybe it's more like that. And you're trying to evaluate and compare and to figure out what it is, it, where it is that you fall. Because if it's OCD, you can go, oh, goodness, it's OCD. Well, I don't need to, I, I don't need to get myself in order. But man, if it's a real crisis of faith, then then what? If you, quote, don't do anything, are you going to fall away? Are you going to stop repenting? Are you going to stop loving Jesus? That's that fear, right? So I anticipate that that's what you're trying to prevent and avoid. Now, I'll say what you ultimately need to do is resist getting into this discussion with yourself again. Resist this fight. And this is accepting that, that, that doubt and those questions. That whenever your brain is coming in and saying, well, maybe this time it's actually a crisis of faith. So, you, you know, you, you, should probably, you should probably pray again or you should kind of journal out your feelings again just to make sure that you're on track. What I want you to do is to actually say, you know what, thanks brain for looking out for me. Thanks for looking out for my, the, the, the thing that I care about the most, my faith, my relationship with God. And then I want you to prevent your, or resist the urge to journal to do that prayer, to do that rumination or that reflecting back on that time that you accepted Jesus or that time that you really felt strong with your faith or whatever it is that you're doing. And just like I talked about with Tara, redirect towards a forward-moving faith and acknowledge that doing that is going to feel uncomfortable. It's going to feel terrifying even. All those alarms are going to say, you're doing it wrong, you're going to hell, etc., 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 but I want you to just keep moving forward with whatever it is that you're doing and say, oof, I know this is uncomfortable, but this is anxiety. And identify it in your body. Sit with that feeling. And by sit with, it doesn't mean sit down and do nothing. It means continue to go to work, continue to hang out with your friends, continue to go to church and make space in that moment for that feeling. Think about it as any other feeling that you have, if you had annoyance, you'd be annoyed and go to church. If you had unreasonable happiness, you'd go and hang out with your friends, right? You have space for those feelings. Make space for that feeling. Don't try to fight it or get rid of it. Now, Michaela, uh, if, if, a, if the approach of just saying, well, stop doing your compulsions is just going to be too hard. And you know what? If it is too hard for you, it's going to be too hard for most people. That's a hard thing to, that's a big ask of me and most therapists, right? So, one thing that you can do to help pull back on those compulsions is to actually take what I call the Switzerland approach. Now, the Switzerland approach is named after the country that takes a neutral stance. It's not for or against. It is, it is politically neutral. I'm probably wrong, and I'm sure that someone out there will tell me that I'm wrong, but it's this stance of saying, well, maybe. It is, in other words, you will be neither in con confirmation or denial of that obsessive thought. So, you're going throughout your day, your brain goes, you know what, did you repent enough? And instead of getting into the fight with this again, you're going to say, maybe, 
and you're going to keep moving forward. Now, you can't see the silly face that I'm doing and the like wild shrugging of my shoulders because, well, no one can see me right now. Um, you're going to take that, you're going to make that shrug and you're going to make that face. And you're going to go, maybe I am, maybe I didn't. And you're going to keep moving forward. Now, you obviously don't have to make that face if you don't want to. I just think it's helpful because sometimes what it can do is it, it kind of says this is ridiculous and I know what this is because I've had these thoughts before. And we're not going to take them seriously anymore. But we're going to go, you know what? Have I fallen out of love with Jesus? And we go, maybe. And we keep moving forward. And we're not going to spend any more amount of time trying to dis- dissect it, figure it out, get to the bottom of it, read about it, pray about it, journal about it. We're just going to keep going. Now, some of you out there are saying, Kevin, this is crazy. Your faith is the most important thing to you. Your, your, your position in the afterlife is the, is the utmost. That's the weirdest way I could have said that. But yeah, sure, I hear what you're saying. But this is different. OCD is going to be a, a, a different quality to it. And instead of, of having it, of listening to that voice that says it has to be precise, exact, 100%, we're accepting the enoughness and moving forward and shifting our attention towards the next thing that would be most consistent with who it is that we are. Michaela, instead of thinking about this thought again, what's one thing that you would think is marginally more important to you that you could do? Is it the dishes? Is it going for a walk with your dog? Is it juggling? Go and do those things. Instead of praying for the hundredth time that day, if you are at work and supposed to turn in the TPS report, is that's the thing you ought to do. Instead of taking that moment to pray, get up, say, maybe I didn't pray enough, and go and turn in the TPS report. And that's what you've got to do. Because that's the next step. And turn your attention as best you can. Turn the spotlight of your focus away from that question and towards that next step. So, Michaela, to answer your initial question, uh, can it give me these intrusive thoughts? Well, yes. Or, excuse me, can it give me these intrusive feelings like having an aversion to following Jesus? Yes. But your job is to no longer question and evaluate your aversion or not to Jesus or to uh, question whether or not you do have an aversion or you have OCD or genuine crisis of faith, but is to act as if your faith is intact and move forward with it. And to accept that risk that maybe you're doing it wrong. But maybe you're not. So, Michaela, I hope that helps. If you have any questions, let me know. But best of luck. All right, everybody, we made it through another episode. Thank you all for hanging out with me again. Um, These are fun. I like these. I think I still like these. Gosh, guys, we are getting up to three years. Three years I've been doing the silliness. Can y'all believe it? I can't, but here we are doing it after three years. So anyways, thank you all for listening. Thank you all for subscribing if you haven't already subscribed. Because also, fun fact, um, if if the RSS feed, which is how your computer knows that you want to get the podcast or the OCD stories or whatever else it is that you listen to and it sends it right to your phone. Um, If that is messed up, if you are subscribed, it will just send it to your phone, but it may not show up on iTunes or on Spotify or wherever else I've discovered this recently. So um, if you would like to know that you're going to get the FearCast when it comes out, go over and subscribe. Um, Additionally, if you want more information about the FearCast, go to fearcastpodcast.com. 
there's going to be stuff up there for you. All the previous episodes are up there as well. Check us out on, um, uh, I'm on Facebook. You can also check me out at Instagram. I sometimes do things up there. Um, not as much as I ought to, but here I am not doing them. Um, I'm Fearcast Podcast over there. So um, everybody, uh, please remember that the Fearcast is not substitute for psychotherapy. If you have questions about therapy and getting started in that, you can go over to fearcastpodcast.com and, the, and click on the find help link and that you will be able to find someone who will be able to help you there. All right, everybody. Until next time, please remember to take a risk, challenge yourself, and don't take your brain too seriously. Bye.